Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Drunken Car Review. You know, I've looked at a lot of cars, but there's one that's been sticking that I've been seeing on the side of the road and well, all over the road that has begun to grab my attention, you might say. Now this car, I imagine the board member meeting to design or the first introduction of this vehicle to the board members means something like this. Sir, we have a car for you. We don't need a car, we need an SUV. Well, good thing, sir, it's that too. What? Yes, sir, we've presented you a car SUV. You, what? Yes, that's how that boardroom meant, in my opinion. Because in my mind, how the hell else could some lunatic come up with the idea of the BMW X4? A car, or SUV, or neither, honestly. I have no freaking clue what to call this thing. It's like a car on jacks. That's the best way I have to describe this thing. Now, before I get into its interesting design, I figure it's only necessary that I go over a few of the uh, statistics of its powertrain, supposedly. Now, this vehicle is not some behemoth, let's just say. In fact, I would say its powertrain is a little bit lackluster, to be honest. There are kind of really only two main options for this engine choice to get started. The 2.0-liter four-cylinder, which is 248 horsepower, or the larger six-cylinder, three-liter, which puts out a pretty decent 473 horsepower and about 450 pounds of torque, give or take. Overall... The car is, well, SUV, I still don't know what the hell to call this thing. It's hard to get into what the hell it even is. I mean, it handles and, well, it's got the cost of an SUV, that's for damn sure. This thing prices in at about $51,000. It's got the gas mileage of a car because it's got 21 city and about 28 highway. And the curb weight is, well, it's it's a heavy car to say the least. I think it comes in like around four thousand pounds. And looking at this thing, I am I'm generally just confused. To be honest, I'm I'm still not one hundred percent sure what I'm even looking at. Is it a car? Is it a SUV? No one can freaking tell, because it basically just looks like if you took a cartoon image of a vehicle or a car, stretched it out to a child's idea of a car, and plastered that onto a vehicle, that would be your closest equivalent it is a large car is the best way i've described it because it's got the design features of a car it's got a more of a fastback design to the front it's got the standard door height or door size a curb appeal of a car and yet it just looks like it's been stretched out and it's weird i don't know i'm having struggles with this thing because it's just i don't see the i don't see the purpose of it it's large like a suv so it's like 
you don't get any of the capabilities like a larger trunk and all that. You, you lose all that stuff. And yeah, it doesn't have the capabilities of a car because it's just too freaking big. I just don't see the purpose behind this behemoth of a car. I, I don't know. The design on the exterior, it's hard to get past, to be honest. Because it's just, it is silly. I'm sorry. I, I have no other way to describe it. I've seen a few of these on the road, like I mentioned. And to be honest, I, I'm still never sure what I'm looking at. Is it a car? Is it an SUV? I have no freaking clue. But I hate to say it, when one becomes a jack of all trades, they are the master of none. Because if you ask me, you don't get the advantage of a car being light and nimble and having handling and performance and being a little lighter weight. And you don't have the storage capacity and the rugged utility of an SUV. You have neither. This car is silly just from the exterior. And the sad thing is, the car overall, if it was just shrunken down a bit, wouldn't be a bad looking car it looks a hell of a lot better than m3 i think it got produced a little while back which was hideous as all hell unfortunately honestly the interior reflects this weird ass approach looking on the inside i guess nothing really stands out as odd but it just seems bang i can't say it's like a stunning interior it's got some cool elements to it like the leather the red leather or the options and that and the leather stripping on the side and some bits like that but it's like they didn't bother to integrate anything. The tap, the navigation screen just looks like it's just kind of just, again, plopped on top of the dash, which I hate that look. I don't know. Why would automakers get so freaking lazy they can't design a dashboard around a freaking touchscreen is beyond me. I'll give them credits. There's a lot of knobs in that. But it just looks, I don't know, lazy. That's the only way I can describe it. And see, the interior is where another problem comes into play. You see, looking at the interior, it's got the problems of a car. You see, you don't get the, it's it's large like an SUV, but the rear seats and that don't look like they got a whole lot of, like, ceiling height. They don't have a whole lot of legroom. It's kind of just, it looks like it's a little cramped back there, to be honest. Now, I get it, you're probably not buying a $50,000 car to haul around people in. But if that is your purpose and you do use it for that, it it, it seems silly. It could all be solved with a little taller roof and calling it a freaking SUV. Or if you're going to just accept those facts, make a freaking car, people. Make up your goddamn minds. Because if you ask me, this is not a niche in the market. Nobody was looking for a car SUV to fill in their gaps of neither. It just seems silly to me. But again, back to the interior. I mean, overall, I mean, it it doesn't stand out as anything special to me. It doesn't have a whole lot of wood trim. It doesn't have a whole lot of standout features. It just kind of looks like a, a, a standard stock interior. Like, here's your knobs, here's your buttons. We'll kind of put some flashy chrome around it and some leather and call it a day. It's just kind of a lazy interior by BMW. And that's not to say the car is bad. I mean, I hear people say it's got pretty good performance for its size and weight and that. It's just, I, I don't see the purpose. It just seems silly to me. Anyways, overall score of this car, I guess it's got decent power and performance. But just the looks, it's just, my God, make up your minds, people. What are you doing? Uh, anyways, I suppose I give this score a out of all of it. Because it's just, if you're going to buy a BMW and you want it to look like a car, just buy a car. I mean, for Christ's sake, buy the sedan for crying out loud. And if you want the utility of an SUV, just buy a freaking SUV. You don't need to... This is kind of like a poser in between the two. It is silly beyond comprehension. I mean, what are you doing, BMW? Overall, I had to say BMW is probably one of the better brands out there. These try some different concepts, but I think you may have taken things a bit too far. Anyways, let's get on to a little bit of automotive news, shall we? Now... 
If you've recently gone out to buy a car, you've probably heard of something called the chip shortage. Basically, this is where automotors for the past year or so have had problems acquiring chips in the manufacturers of vehicles. Now, these aren't expensive chips, so the problem is they're having struggles finding people that are willing to make these things in mass quantities for their cars. It used to be a kind of on-order basis, but with them rolling back and deciding not to produce cars for a while because of the uh, situation around the world... It was just struggle, and they began. Well, chip makers began to move on. Basically, this left them with. Well, they could make the cars, but they couldn't put chips in them. Basically, the little tiny little things that would let the circuit boards run, which would let the car run. And while they began to roll out some of the cheaper models or the more expensive ones, depending on how much you order, it basically led to a mass shortage, which is why, if you may have noticed, the car prices have began to skyrocket beyond all comprehension. Hell, we're getting to a point where even used cars are oftentimes more expensive than buying a brand new one. And that, in my mind, is just insanity. Anyways, this chip shortage has been pretty much leading to a, a siphon of vehicles. Basically... We've been, for the past year practically, projecting a loss in the car productions over year over year, basically. Well, that might actually begin to change recently. You see, there's been a few more microchip companies coming out and willing to do it, and with um, more shipping going down to Texas instead of California, automakers have been getting their hands on more and more chips, meaning they can produce more and more vehicles. And for the first time in probably a year, almost a year and a half, I think, if I remember correctly. No, I think it was a year. But anyways, first time since almost a year, basically, we finally reached a plateau. We have not accumulated a net loss in vehicles. Does that mean we've produced more vehicles? No, I think we've only produced like 600-something. Not nearly enough to make up for the chip shortage, but it's a good sign. It shows that things are beginning to plateau. We're no longer registering a loss, but we're beginning to put up a gain. A very minuscule and tiny gang, but a gang nonetheless. And it shows that perhaps, just perhaps, this chip shortage situation, which has been plaguing us with high prices, might beginning to go away. That being said, do I think automakers will begin to lower prices anytime soon? Unfortunately not. Because after all, they've been posting record high profits in dealership markets, and hell, even some of the manufacturers themselves are beginning to realize they can make a tiny profit if they'd be willing to... You know, cut down the cost and, well, you know, produce less vehicles. Several brands have even come out and flat out said they're going to be producing less vehicles to, quote, control the pricing in the market. In other words, to rip people off, in my opinion. Though humble it may be, it is probably pretty damn true if you look at it. I mean, honestly, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. Basically, you're choking the market on purpose to generate inflation. Eventually, this will probably come to a head as people will be while less willing to pay, they are absorbent and ridiculous prices. And especially considering, well, things head the way they are in the automotive market, we might begin to see, well, people get a little fed up with these rising car prices. In fact, there have been even a few dealerships that have had to lower prices on their cars in certain areas because people are just not willing to pay their ridiculous and absorbent pricing. But, like I said, hopefully with this plateau and the chip shortage, we still have a long way to go. But it shows that maybe in maybe a six months to a year, maybe we might be back to normal pricing. Kind of. Again, I don't think we'll be back to fully normal as dealerships will fight this the whole way. But I think we'll be back to a point where there will be cars on the lot to negotiate and maybe even talk the price with. Instead of just having to pay their absorbent prices. Not that I ever would. And now that I would encourage anybody else to. In my opinion, every deal is negotiable, and if anybody ever tells you otherwise, 
just wait to buy a car. Like I said, if you can wait a year, my advice, wait a year to buy one. You may not be able to get the super good deal, but at least it'll be a hell of a lot better of a deal than what you'll be getting now. Speaking of news and dealerships and, well, not dealerships, but speaking of problems with companies, there has recently been another recall. Now, I just recently covered Ford's problem with their brakes, which they kind of were just interrupting or basically catching it in advance. Now, this was dangerous. You know what's probably more dangerous? That would be having your hood come open in the middle of driving and that can be a terrifying scenario because suddenly you go from being able to see the road to just seeing absolutely nothing. Which is just a bit of a problem. Yeah, I would say so. Now, what does this have to do with recalls? Well, Honda Pilot, Ridgeline, and Passport have all been recalled for a certain situation in which air would catch up under the hood and certain latch pins would begin to degrade and what might possibly result in hood rattle, which might possibly result in, well, the loss of a hood. This recall is one of the larger recalls I've seen in a little while because it only affects about ooh, 725,000 vehicles on the road today. That is a lot of freaking vehicles. Now, there hasn't been any accidents or major damages reported with this yet, but it's more of, again, a mitigating thing. And there have been already have been needing to replace a bunch of hoods already with this problem. The one it mainly affects is the Pilot, which is over half a million cars. And the second one, the second highest being the Ridgeline, which is about 150,000 cars. That ain't no small potatoes. That is almost... Basically, that's way larger than even the Ford recall that was being talked about. This is actually a pretty major problem because, as you know, as I mentioned, well, not being able to see the road is a bit of a problem when you're trying to drive. So, again, I've, we've been seeing a lot of these recalls lately, and it's kind of showing that automakers, I think, have become a bit complacent to the idea of recalls. They kind of just accept the fact that, yeah, we're going to have a recall on these cars. What are you going to do about it? Out goes the vehicle. It shows that quality control is a bit lacking. And hopefully, maybe perhaps one day, an automaker will come along that actually gives a shit about something like, you know, quality control. Something that I think almost all brands, and a couple exceptions, but pretty much all brands are sorely lacking. Mainly, in my opinion, GM. Yep, I'm going to pick on GM because, well, out of all the recall ones, I'd say GM is the one that's always had the most problems with recalls because their quality control is for shit. Finally, we have some news about the success of electric cars, or rather the not-so-successful electric cars. You see, there's been a lot of performance electric vehicles produced, especially by Tesla and, well, even like the new Mach-E. But they've been a bit hyped up, you might say. A lot of people are touting them as a new dominant force in the market. But test is actually... Yeah, terrible, yeah. Yeah, mush mouth. Anyways, but tests have proved that that might not be the case. It might not be as dominant a force as they claim it to be. You see, tests have come out that the Tesla Model Plaid, Model Plaid, I think that's it, the Tesla S Model Plaid, yep, that's the one, has a bit of troubles with one of its mighty claims, the 200 mile per hour mark. Now, when producing, well, yeah, yeah. Anyways, when producing a sports car of any kind, it's kind of almost like a requirement nowadays to have a 200 mile per hour benchmark. Well, tests have come up by car and driver that reaching the 200 mile per hour mark may indeed be possible, but it is extremely unlikely. They had this thing fully charged and topped the thing out 
and 162 miles an hour, almost 40 miles per hour shorter than their targeted goal. That is abysmal. That is a huge de- a huge performance loss in a car that's touted to be the most ex- fastest accelerating, most powerful vehicle. And while maybe the fast accelerating, that is a huge problem. Basically, it's like having a car limiter in that. And yes, you may be able to beat the quarter mile, but performance is sorely lacking. And even cars like Mustang, for example, have proven to be a bit troubled as well. For example, Edmunds recently produced a report that the Mustang Mach-E GT was not the performance car people claimed it to be. While it is indeed fast and doesn't handle bad, the weight and the power, it makes for a bit of a rough ride. And the handling is just tough, they might say. This shows that, in my opinion, while electric cars can be good cars, I don't think they'll reach the level of gasoline cars in some aspects. In fact, it kind of only goes to show you that the only real advantage they might have, actually, might just be acceleration. These automakers are claiming often that the weight is not a problem. They can figure it out. But to be honest, is it not a problem? I mean, you're talking about cars that are weighing almost, sometimes almost a thousand pounds heavier than their gasoline counterparts. And producing a sports car like that, especially one that's supposed to be track-ready and raceable, is a bit of a challenge to say the least. And Tesla in the new Mach-E GT kind of only proves that point. That's not to say they're not good cars and they're probably the fastest drag cars on the market, but the fact remains is that if you're trying to take it anything around, well, a street race, it might be a bit of a problem if you're not just going anything, just a straight line. And in fact, I don't think we'll ever see these things on the track for that very reason, just because, well, I don't see them being able to keep up with cars that can go even 170 miles per hour and keep that cornering pretty well into the corners and to the turns and that where they'll have to slow down and keep lumber their 6,000 pound frames around a pretty tight turn anyways i suppose that does it for today's episode i appreciate you all listening and i hope you got some decent information about this and please to god if you're buying a bmw x4 second guess your decision and make up your mind on whether you want a car or an SUV because I and my eyesight would greatly appreciate it and not be getting so confused on what the hell I'm looking at driving down the road. Anyways, I hope you all have a great day and a wonderful night. If you like this episode, please like and subscribe. Thank you and goodbye.